0: Good morning and happy Sabbath. Yes, I'm nervous as all get out. One thing that would make me feel better, though, and um, is seeing all of you more relaxed is could we, we haven't done this for a long time, could we like turn to each other, each you know, in front and back and side and greet each other in the name of the Lord and wish each other happy Sabbath and hugs? Could we do that? I feel better Um, if you'd like to follow along we're going to be um, uh, sharing and talking from 2nd Kings chapter 5 and starting in verse 1 um, about faith and obedience they go hand in hand from our faith in God we'll want to obey but not necessarily easily at times This being the story of the Syrian commander Naaman and his faith leading to obedience. Again, that's 2 Kings chapter 5. And some of this research that I did is credited to Pastor Bob Deffenbaugh. Now I have uh, the New King James Version. Um, The beginning of the chapter is telling us Naaman was commander of the Syrian army and he was honored by his king. As the Lord had given victory, of Israel over to Syria, he was highly esteemed by his king. Naaman's military success was not primarily the result of his courage or his military skills. It was the result of God's sovereign plan and purpose. And again, as it states, for through him, the Lord had given Syria military victories. Naaman's success in his battles with Israel was God's judgment on Israel Because of the sins of his people, Naaman was also a leper. He had leprosy, or like modern day AIDS. So while in while in war in Israel, the army took captive a young maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Was her servant? She saw Naaman's leprosy and said to Naaman's wife, "This is in verse three. If only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria." For he would heal him of his leprosy. What really took me back was the faith of this young girl. Um, obviously, you know, raised in a, a God-fearing and God-loving home. To, uh, to know and trust her God, to stand for God. She's in a strange land. She's in stranger's home. Adults, she's got to be terrified. And yet she's standing for her God. As great as he is, Naaman has one very serious problem. He has leprosy. He's still highly esteemed by his master, the king of Syria, but there is hardly a disease which could be more devastating to Naaman. It would surely be the end of his military career, and in time, perhaps his life as well. I'm sure that he attempted every possible cure that money could buy in Syria, but with no success. A ray of hope came from a very unlikely source, this Israelite slave girl, the servant of Naaman's wife. So this Israelite slave girl, um, I started to be quite a remarkable person. She has every reason to hate Naaman and his wife. Her master is responsible for many raids against Israel, and therefore the death of many Israelites, perhaps even this young girl's parents. Or other relatives. Instead of hating her master and finding a certain amount of pleasure in his humiliating disease, this young girl seems to genuinely care about the well being of her master and her mistress. In this regard, she's much like Daniel, who in his youth was taken away from his family by a nation that was an enemy of Israel. Nevertheless, he found no pleasure. In having to inform the king, Nebuchadnezzar, that the prophecy he had reserved, that he had received, foretold some very humbling days for him. He was very compassionate, wasn't he? And that's out of Daniel 4.19. Naaman's healing and salvation are directly attributable to the faithfulness of this young girl. No doubt it was very humbling for Naaman to act on the advice of her. But he was a desperate man, and who would not do anything possible almost to not only prevent dying, but to be cured? And verse 4 Naaman goes and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl, who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Israel said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver. I uh, just look up calculations, 750 pounds of silver, $384,000 in today's price of what it was the value, 6,000 shekels of gold, which its value today would be 155000 and 10 new suits of clothing. So obviously the king of Syria really cared for Naaman, wanted to see him well. Then verse 6. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. I don't know, this was just humorous to me. Um, in the NIV section, or the NIV Bible, it says, see how he's trying to pick a fight with me? <laughs> um, so some things that came to mind is that, you know, we think of a king. We think of a king that's um, always uh, valiant and uh, even-tempered and just has the mature in, maturity and nobility to lead. And my first thought was, here's an insecure king, Feeling defensive and maybe even afraid? Um, not, he doesn't know what to do, why he's being asked to do this, and not even considering that he is expected to summon Elisha, the prophet, to do it. Uh, was it maybe assumed that they didn't even know each other? I guess not. The king of Syria must have assumed that there was a close relationship between the king of Israel and the prophet of Israel, as there should have been. Upon receiving this letter, the king of Israel should have called for Elisha the prophet, who could heal Naaman. But because the kings of Israel had ceased to seek divine guidance from the prophets, it never entered this king's mind to turn to Elisha for help when he was in trouble. The words, am I God to kill or make alive? He knew only God could restore a man to life or cure a leper. And we know the prophets Elijah and Elisha, have raised someone from the dead. And then verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, does anyone know, what does it mean when they, in biblical times, they would tear their clothes? What does that mean? Anybody know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Deep despair, grief. Uh, When Naaman had heard that he had torn his clothes, uh, he said to the king, saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. What is Elisha and God willing to do? Found this interesting too, and has said love your enemies. Syria was an enemy of Israel, but they were willing to heal him. And see what it says there. Elisha wasn't even going to meet with him, but he sent a messenger out. I'm sure this sat well with Naaman's pride. Verse 11, Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me, stand and call the name of the Lord as God wave his hand over the place and heal my leprosy. Naaman had great pride. He wanted to see something grand take place. He had his own preconceived idea of how this was all going to go down. There would be, of course, pomp and circumstance, not to mention how he couldn't wait to show all the treasure he had brought as payment for the healing done with the style and dignity of an esteemed commander of the Syrian army. Now he's insulted. Verse 12, and he says, Are not the Abana and the Fofar, as soon as I turn the page, far part, the rivers of Damascus, that's in Syria, sorry, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And he turned away and went away in a rage. It's bad enough that he's not being treated royally of a man in his position. But now he's being told to wash in the dirty Jordan. This poor guy. If it is too much, if he were to be saved from his incurable disease, he wanted to be saved his way. In a way that was easy on his ego and which left him in control of the situation. Are we not like him at times? I know I am. Fortunately, his servants, his servants come and reason with him. Verse 13, his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? Would Naaman felt by doing something great it would stroke his ego? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean. Something so much simpler. Do it. Do we not need those of wisdom in our circle of friends and influence for times like that when we need them to keep us reason? So verse 14, so he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, God could have cleansed him of his leprosy without giving him the skin of a little child. And in this other version, it's called The Message, it says the skin of a baby. I just thought that was so compelling and compassionate that he did that. I mean, here is a big, fierce commander of the army, and to prove... Himself to For God to prove that he's almighty and powerful, it wasn't just being healed. I mean, he gave him the skin of a little child. And kind of like baptism, you know, we, we go down the water. What we do, we come out, right, as a new creature, brand new in the sight of the Lord. Verse 15, and he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, Came and stood before him, and he said, Indeed, now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, Elisha said, As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. As in the days of the apostles, Jesus instructed them not to take payment for healing as well. Then verse 17. Then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to his gods, but to the Lord. What do you think that was about? Asking to bring back dirt. Um. And just doing some research, um, you know, the story of Jacob, you know, he's in the desert and he's fleeing from his brother Esau. He had just stole his birthright and uh, he's out in the desert and uh, the Lord comes to him. And, you know, he sees the stairway and he falls asleep with a stone underneath his head. Well, um, the land on which he laid was holy and God was promising to give that land to him and his descendants. Could Naaman in some manner grasp some of this truth? His solution so he could worship the true God takes some Israelite soil home with him. It was on this soil he planned to worship the God of Israel from now on. But there's more. Naaman has another request in verse 18. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Rimen to worship there, And he leans on my hand, when I bow down in the temple of Rimen, when I bow down, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Then he said to him, go in peace. So we departed from him a short distance. Naaman was really thinking here. As part of his duty as commander, he accompanies his king, he's a bodyguard, so to the temple so that the king may worship the heathen god, the king would be literally bowing down because he would be leaning on Naaman for balance and support, which means, of course, Naaman would have to bow down as well. Naaman was assuring Elisha, even though he's bowing down helping his king, he's no longer worshiping Syrian gods, but God alone, as we cannot serve two masters. In closing from uh, Prophets and King, out of uh, page 252 and 253, kind of summarize it kind of nice. Centuries after Naaman returned to a Syrian home, healed in body and converted in spirit, his wonderful faith was referred to and commended by the Savior as an object lesson for all who claim to serve God. Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, the Savior declared, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Luke 4.27 God passed over the many lepers in Israel because their unbelief closed the door of good to them. A heathen nobleman who had been true to his convictions of right and who felt his need of help was in the sight of God more worthy of his blessing than were the afflicted in Israel who had slighted and despised their God-given privileges. God works for those who appreciate his favors and respond to the light given them from heaven. Today in every land, there are those who are honest in heart, and upon these the light of heaven is shining. If they continue faithful... In following that which they understand to be duty, they will be given increased light until, like Naaman of old, they will be constrained to acknowledge that there is no God in all the earth save the living God, the Creator. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Creator, Giver of unconditional love, we thank you so much for your patience as you continue to mold us into your image. We ask that you strengthen our faith in you, like Naaman, so that our belief and trust become so strong nothing can break it. That your hearts are filled with your love, and this is fulfilling your purpose in us. Go with us today and throughout the week in your blessings. In your precious name we pray, amen.